Hey everyone, before we get started, this episode is going to be a big, big episode. I know I haven't produced an episode and put out one in a while, but I'm back. The podcast is back. Check out the Instagram for the new release schedule. And I got some awesome stuff coming up for you guys with some more guests, some more awesome new podcasts, history highlights, you know, stuff like that. Weekly Geekly coming out, you know, our weekly geek news and everything in between. So look forward to that. And this episode is going to be a starting out. It's going to be my review of The Batman awesome yeah a great movie so that's just the tease and then after that will be my interview with special effects makeup artist richard red lefson all right i hope you guys enjoy i know it might be a long one but i'm just trying to make up for the time that i wasn't gone so enjoy this big old episode for you with just a little bit of everything all right guys thanks for staying with me and thanks for enjoying the podcast and from this point There will be episodes coming out, hopefully, as regularly as I plan them to be. But thanks for being uh, with me, guys, and staying with me through everything, and I hope you enjoyed this episode. All right, let's go. You are now entering the Phantom Squad Podcast. Enjoy the madness. Hey everyone, this is just a little bonus review of The Batman, released on March 4th, uh, I just saw it, it was, uh, I gotta s- just gonna go ahead and tell you, uh, it is not your, it, the Riddler is not your Frank Gorshin, nor is it Jim Carrey, it is its own fresh new thing, uh, the Penguin, same goes for that, it is not your, uh, Francis Meredith, and it is not, uh, it is not Danny DeVito either, so, just starting out with that, just going in and just take it as a fresh new take, yes, they do both get a little hammy at times, but it's still a great performance from both of the actors portraying both iconic characters, and taking their own little new twist and take on it. And for the man himself, Batman. I know we all thought when the casting first started out, we are thinking Robert Pattinson, the sparkly vampire, being Batman, there's no way. But I have seen some other things that Robert Pattinson has done. He's actually a really good actor. And in this movie, he, he portrays Batman in an amazing, amazing way. And he's great. One thing that he does in this film that they make this Batman that they haven't done for a long time is Batman is supposed to be the greatest detective in the world. Well, in this movie, I wouldn't say he's the greatest detective in the world, but he he is a great detective. Again, it's not, yes, there is fighty, punchy Batman, but he is more a detective in this movie more than he has in the past. So yeah, it's definitely for a Batman fan of myself, which I have lots and lots of Batman. I, he's my favorite, one of my top favorite, probably my top number one for DC characters. So yeah, he, for being a huge Batman fan, and I've loved 
series. I've went back and watched the 66 Batman. I've loved the 89 with Jack Nicholson and Michael Keaton. I I liked the other later ones in my youth with uh, the horrible nipple Batman, aka George Clooney, Batman and Robin. I liked it in my younger years, but as I got older, it's terrible. Uh, but still, it was its own thing. Uh, but and then Ben Affleck, most recent one wasn't terrible, but it's just it was more punchy. Batman and it wasn't the detective like the ones before so yeah this one is very detective Batman world's greatest detective which I like they finally did it because this is what I really wanted for the character to see portrayed and also like the costume design is a new costume design I like it the cowl is a mix between you know the ones that we know now from the films plus a mix of Adam West's mix looks like Adam West meets you know Michael Keaton so I like that aspect and the I like the vehicle especially the car the new car we get is the Batmobile is freaking awesome it's cool I like it very much it's a cool charger old school uh, modified it's really cool uh, like I said this this film I don't want to spoil too much but this film it, it definitely it uh, it makes you see Batman not only as the the very you know the very smart detective and you know picking up on little things, but also makes you see him as the Dark Knight again, like see him as the badass that he really is, and like he is there is that fine line he walks of you know being the you know the superhero vigilante who saves everybody and then you know the person who has you know lost their parents and can snap and you know enrage in in a in an instant and there's one scene in the film that you see this rage come out and you're like he could have killed that person but he didn't and it was it's it's great and just like I said it's a great movie I don't know at all yes it is very long it's almost three hours long but granted the story needed that time to fulfill what it needed to be told and I get that and it was a good movie like I said yes after about two hours yes it did my hurt my hurt my my butt after a little bit uh, about two hours in the seat but it was a good movie and it was worth the pain afterwards it was good for the payoff at the end of the film it was great and I recommend for any Batman fan this is don't go yes you have expectations but go at it at a new like go in at its own thing don't don't go in with the super high expectations like yes it is a great movie it's good but it look at it at its as its own thing and Gotham looks amazing that's another thing is Gotham looked amazing in this film uh, they used the from what I heard it was not CG there but they used the same sort of technology they used a lot of the same technology as the Mandalorian with the basically the giant rooms that are wall-to-wall ceiling LED screens so yeah it was really cool seeing that so it was great and it, the visuals were awesome and yes it was a little 
kind of dark at the time, but I, I, I think that's just a, I don't know, but it just, it didn't ruin the movie, it didn't ruin the scenes that it was a little darker than I would hope it could have been, but it, the lighting was good overall, and the tone was great, and the storyline was great, and I, I just, overall, I give it a, I give it a 4.5 out of five like it wasn't like oh my god lace my favorite movie but i give it a 4.5 out of 5 because it was a great batman movie and i recommend it for any batman fan all right everyone i'm gonna have another announcement coming in the next couple days of a update to uh patreon payments and perks and um the new schedule for episode releases and there's going to be a new episode out coming this Thursday with two-time Emmy winner uh, makeup artist Richard Redleafson look out for that and uh, check it out uh, if you wanted to look him up on IMDb he's the head makeup artist on Star Trek Picard uh, he's worked on uh, a lot of really cool, famous movies. They just check about his IMDb, and you'll be like, "Wow, that's really cool." Uh, he worked with they did the makeup on Bright with Will Smith. So yeah, he's done some really cool stuff. So check him out, and uh, look out for that episode coming out this Thursday. All right, guys, this is my fresh take on the Batman. Um, and as always, enjoy the Batman. I 
Hey everyone, this is going to be another episode of the Phantom Squad podcast. My awesome guest this week is Emmy Award winning makeup artist Richard Redlefson. Thanks for coming on, man. How's it going? Thank you for having me. It's a, it's a pleasure. Thank you. It's a pleasure to have you. Like you said, I know you don't do many of these, so it's an honor to have you on my show. I've had a couple people. That's why I like Yes, for sure. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I always like to give people who don't get it, you know, it's not big love as, you know, that they should. So I always reach out to guys like you and, you know, other like I just had creature actor from Doctor Who has been a bunch of Cybermen. And so I love to give like, you know, people who their credit. Great. Much appreciated. Always. Awesome, awesome. So how did you get into the makeup business itself, or how did you start out? Was it just you saw a monster movie? Like, I know a lot of people like myself who listen to this podcast seen American Horror Story, not American Horror Story, saw American Werewolves in London and saw that transformation scene that Rick Baker did and just was like, holy shit, I want to figure out how they did that and who did that and just was fascinated by that scene. Uh, I had kind of, I had a very different, um, I had a very different uh, introduction to makeup than most people. Um, most, most of my peers are makeup artists in the industry. Um, uh, I never came. Uh, I always liked, I always liked famous monsters. I like the, you know, I like the Universal famous monsters, the old black and whites. Um, you know, we had always. I grew up in Cleveland, and. Um, you know, so it definitely had the Saturday afternoon, Friday midnight creature feature. You know, we had a we have a we had a few local hosts that uh, that always showed those kinds of films. You know, there was one uh, group called Big Chuck and Little John was on Friday nights and uh, super host on Saturday afternoon, and they're just total like clowny, you know, local <laughs> celebrities. You they would show the classic movies you know and um i actually got i actually before i did makeup i was a professional ballet dancer and uh believe it or not i i started when i was young i started when i was like eight years old and um uh i did a lot of training and then when you know uh, at a certain point we started doing performances and this was with i was i was in the cleveland ballet school and uh so like uh, I, I remember the first time putting my makeup on. So I was doing, <laughs> we're doing a ballet called Capella, and that's basically about this small little town that has this crazy scientist that you know is is working feverishly hard to turn, uh, you know, animatronic dolls into real, you know. Um, uh, into real people, kind of a, a very lighthearted version of Reanimator in a ballet version, I'm sure. But um, <laughs> so I was, the, you know, the town had a baker and a butcher and a cobbler. I was, I was the cobbler's son, and I first did my own makeup. The ballet mistress said, "You got to take that off. What are you doing?" So I had done my makeup, but. I- Obviously, it was terrible. You know, it was too harsh and all of that. Over time, you kind of learn how to do it. And they, they give like little classes in the school. And then you just kind of learn tricks of, you know, basically most guys would wear, you know, this kind of, you know, a water-based, you know, like I think it was a Max Factor water-based foundation. You put it on. Most of most of the the drawing, and when I say drawing, like like how the eyebrow shape is, how the how the 
the makeup lines around the eyes, contouring, um, all is is all really based in an old ballet russe, old Russian ballet techniques, and um, where you have you have a very hard liner for men and women. But the difference between a, a, a woman and a man is that that they would have a, a woman would have a much softer kind of beautiful arch to their to their brow as opposed to a, a male would have a, a much more um, firm kind of very very angular so so the angles angles of the face were brought out for for uh, for more men I think when you get when you're a kid and a you know like a teenager less is more you know but but as I became a professional dancer um, out of school and started doing like full-length ballets and stuff like that that's that's where I really started understanding and you know i would do my own makeup for the shows and that's that's really i always liked uh, i i do remember as a kid seeing fangoria because <laughs> dance magazine was right here and fangoria and all the other you know uh, <laughs> and you know room rudemorg and all that stuff is all over here yes you know and then then dance magazine and then the cooking stuff and then cuisine cuisine stuff um and i always remember just looking at fangor and go what's going on here man i mean the cover has a guy's face blown off on it and <laughs> it's just like what's going on here so i mean it was really kind of a smash cut to probably into my mid-20s when i finished dancing you know I had done a lot of stuff, you know, performed at the Kennedy Center with Boston Ballet, you know, toured, toured around, you know, different locales around the world and stuff. Um, and uh, but but I, I I had always loved to draw and paint since I was a kid. So I've always had natural bent. You know, I mean, back in the day, I was drawing like pop stars and, you know, drawing this, that and the other thing and Star Wars and you know, the, all that stuff. And, you know, just, I, I would just get books and I would just copy it because I love doing it. And, um, um, not, not so much. I, I've never had any artistic formal training. I've never taken a sculpting class. I've never taken a, um, drawing class or color theory. You kind of learn by doing and mistakes and, you know, you read a little bit, you know, and I mean, I don't, I don't discount, I don't discount um, a classical training. I mean, I came, I mean, I classically trained as a dancer, you know, and I very much respect many artists who are classically trained in sculpting and painting and all of that. Sometimes you're beholden to some rules that may make it too, um, uh, too rigid, you know, but that's, that's my that's my view of it. Whereas I, 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 you know, loose and interesting and maybe that doesn't work and push it around. I remember Joel Harlow said one time, um, you know, just, we were sculpt, we were sculpting some of the cannibals for pirates two and three, two. And, um, he's like, just keep pushing it around till it makes sense. And that was, I always, that always stuck in my mind. It's in there. It's just got to get pushed into the right way. And you just kind of, you know, you know, it's never worth punching it or tearing it off. It's better to just walk away for a minute or just let it go for the day and then come back to it the next day because then you'll have fresh eyes, but always pushing it around. So um, 
so not to get off on a tangent, but uh, that's how I basically got into makeup. So I finished dancing, went to went to a makeup school here in Los Angeles. Um, it was about a about a year program. It's called it's called EI now. It used to be called Elegance. Um, I went to the school like two buildings ago, and I don't even think it's in existence. I think because of because of the COVID and all that, it it, it actually closed. So, um, but. Uh, um, yeah, I mean, so it was, it was kind of that, that was the way that I got into it, but I can't say that I, I was, I was never like a big gore fan, like, you know, like from the eighties and stuff like that. I can't say that I was like, God, I gotta see, you know, Freddie too, or, you know, Jason, F I, I, I can't say that I was that guy, but yeah. you know, I definitely like more the fantasy kind of stuff. Like, um, you know, uh, what was it? Uh, uh, Darkness um, with uh, Rob Bottin's Darkness. Um, what is that? <laughs> I'm kind of blanking now. I, was, um, I, was, I think I know which one you're talking about. <laughs> and, and, and bones and all of that. You know, I mean, I think I like that kind of stuff because it just looked more interesting. Like, like just, just a blood value, and you know, I mean, some of the later incarnate, you know, like Kevin Yeager's, all of his, his. Uh, Freddy Krueger stuff. I mean, there was definitely some interesting stuff, you know, like with the, the fingers with the, you know, the syringes oh, and stuff. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's kind of interesting, but I, I definitely like the, you know, someone's, you know, Rob's new take on a hag witch, you know, Meg Mungle. I mean, that's super cool. You know, darkness, uh, you know, all those elves and sprites. I mean, yeah, that, you know, the paint jobs, they were super, you know, super elaborate, you know, and, uh, but yeah, so, that's how I basically got into 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 makeup. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, uh, I know a lot. Another one that a lot of people that I tell too that I got big into makeup as well is, I know a lot of people for the horror stuff they go to John Carpenter's Halloween. But for me, one that opened my eyes to like, well, who did that? How do you do that? Is John Carpenter's The Thing, with okay. all the you know, the open stomach or just the the yeah. creature spider head? Like that is my just. I saw that spider head as a like a twelve year old kid and was like, I know this is supposed to scare the shit out of me, but that is so cool. I want to know how to make that. Again, and, and I, think that's, I think that's Rob Otine as well. You know, I mean, you know, yes. um, um, you know, and uh, uh, Margaret Margaret Prentice, you know, a, a very unsung hero in our industry. A female makeup artist that's very unsung you know this is a woman who's done due diligence for 40 years doing makeup man and she's been it all she's been there robocop she's been there with the thing so she's done it all she's just real quiet you know but but margaret's margaret's top shelf you know and um but yeah i mean yeah that that stuff is unnerving i mean from the thing it's unnerving with that <laughs> You know, it's just nuts, you know. Yes. Uh, I think I think at the very least, I, you get a good laugh out of a lot of the 80s horror flicks because they're just so over yeah. the, And I think what I think what we've done is over, you know, over the 90s and the 2000s and stuff. Um, I think that I think it's a little sleazy now. A lot of things are really sleazy and it's just a little it, I, I think there's a lack of content. I still, I think story crafting kind of got better and now it's just kind of like, I don't know, I, it, now it's like freak show stuff and it's like I've seen it a million times, you know, it's same old, same old shit, different, different, 
movie or whatever. Um, and I'm, I'm hoping that it'll start taking a new turn towards something. Um, but, but, uh, yeah, I, I definitely trying to think about what, what, what film really kind of, I mean, that Planet of the Apes for sure. Again, I always kind of go back to character makeup. So, uh, cause I'm not huge with like, you know, I mean, I believe me, I do a lot of, I've done a lot of gore. In my, oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, Jeepers Creepers was my first credit, you know, screen credit. So, I mean, I, and, and that's, and I will, I will, you know, give it to Victor that, 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 that is, it does hedge on a classic horror film kind of delivery. You know, I mean, he, he's going with a creature and, you know, and a little character development and a new thing. And, but, um, uh, yeah, I don't know. But yeah, John Carpenter's <laughs> the thing. Is oh, yeah. And I'm glad you brought up her as well, because that was one of my, my girlfriend is also into, you know, special effects makeup as well. It's kind of why we worked because we both do each other's makeups and stuff for Halloween's and her, Margaret and V. Neil as well. Like my girlfriend, because she knows that, you know, special effects is a lot of times like a male dominated thing that you don't really see a lot. And she was like seeing these females in this industry made her inspire her to go, okay, I can do more than just, you know, beauty makeup. I can do these things like seeing V, like she told me, she was like seeing V Neil do Beetlejuice and Edward Scissorhands inspired her to be able to do the cool, you know, the more character makeup than just, you know, just beauty makeup. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, V's a great painter. I mean, I, I spent uh, pretty much two years on Pirates 2 and 3 with her and Joel. Um, I was in the background for a while, and then I came into the, se the, 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 second, the, the secondary character makeup trailer um, and uh, just kind of flip-flopped in and out of there and stuff. But yeah, I mean, V's a great painter. You know, she's, she's got a very keen eye and, you know, it's interesting that you say that, that, and I'm not going to open up a can of worms, but I think it's important that, that whether you're a guy or a girl, you know, you can do anything that you want. That's nothing, you know, I mean, I mean, you just didn't, I think you bring your own, not a woman or a male aesthetic, you bring your personal aesthetic, yes. you bring you to the makeup. Has nothing to do with you know and it's like and you know i think what's great is is that we you know there are many makeup artists that you know um i would like to what i would like to see a lot more from the current generation is them doing their own stuff not doing rbfx stuff not sculpting but not not taking stuff that's already sculpted but but get in there and sculpt something and use your creativity because then it's yours it's yours, you yes. know, and you, you grow. I mean, dude, I, I probably, I mean, half of those things that you saw in my studio, I probably, I think I counted, I probably have done like 25, 25, 20, 25, 30 personal projects over my career, probably one or two a year. And, um, and cause I've been doing it for 20 years and, um, that's how you get better, you know? No one, you know, no one's going to give it to you and no one, no one. It's important that you get in there and you just put your blinders on and you look at some anatomical photos. So you have some reference, you have good reference of whatever you're going to sculpt and make, you know, and you can do whatever you want. 
I, I have no doubt in in anybody, but but yes, you do have women like V and Margaret, you know, and um, you know, uh, you know, I, I work with Jennifer Aspinall. I'm going to work with her tomorrow night or two nights on Friday night because we're doing, I'm doing some Westworld stuff with her. But I mean, she did Toxic Avenger. Yes. You know, I mean, it's just like they've been around forever. They've been slinging this stuff, and she's still busting butt, man. You know, and she oh, has yeah. a, a very good aesthetic, you know, and they bring their their vision to it, you know. And I mean, I loved. I, I will say this: I really love watching V paint because V V has a very kind of mesmerizing kind of way of. She tickles the face, and she has a very light touch, you know. Sometimes I would be helping Joel. Um, bootstrap bill and uh v would be doing johnny you know and she'd just be doing the, 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 all this little subtle stuff and erasing it and putting a little bit back and da, 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 you know so i mean it, it definitely all of that you know is what's enough you know just but i'm glad that you're i'm glad that your girlfriend definitely saw it. i i I think it's important that we have examples, but I almost think it's almost not important that we have examples. Because oh, yeah. You, oh, yeah. Just do it, you know? But I, you know, because you can. I mean, I can't. Oh, yeah. That was I her thing is her family was like, girls do beauty makeup. You can't do that gross stuff. Like, that's not, that's just for girl. You know, a lot of people that she was in her, uh, you know, a lot of people around her were like, girls can't do that. That's the monsters are for the guys that you do beauty makeup. And, yeah. And so her seeing, you know, finding out that her favorite movie, Beetlejuice, was the head makeup artist was a female being being Neil uh, being V Neil was like, screw you guys, look at this, you know. <laughs> yeah. And I think that, and and I with with those kinds of stereotypes, I absolutely agree because that is garbage. I mean, it's like who who are you to tell, you know? I mean, so it does put proof in the pudding, you know. And I mean, there's, I mean, there are tons of i mean i don't even think that that's a stereotype anymore i mean oh no i i think you have more makeup schools you know bringing out quote unquote you know i, I mean it, they are a dime a dozen some have more skills than others um but you know anybody just needs to practice and do their best with their work and polish it and work on it and that's that's how you need to. Oh, yeah. And that's one thing I wanted to, you know, further on top of that with, like you said, with taking your personal touch on things. How was that for you working on like Star Trek Picard, like stepping into the, you know, the shoes of Michael Westmore, you know, from taking those original concepts, the new looks? How was that for you, you know, putting your pizzazz on that, you know, uh, well, stepping in those shoes? I mean our department head he's a great boss he's got a great bedside manner he's a very fair boss um and he's a friend and he um he was always very uh positive in in my um approach to the makeups um you know i think that you know first of all we had a very neville page did the designs the creature designs vincent van dyke shop you know, sculpted and executed and molded and ran the pieces for those designs. So, you know, um, you get you get a lot of good um, 
it's starting from the from the ground floor, you know, and um, and they were fun, you know. I mean, I did I probably did sixty or seventy applications of Elnor, the the ninja kind of character, black hair, uh, you know. But it's a very simple makeup, but it's a very hard makeup because because Evan, I mean, Evan's a model. Dude doesn't have a pore on his face, you know. And then I'm trying to take, you know, I would do two two uh, brow cover transfers for each brow, one and two, one and two. Because he has, he would, he has, he has a very beefy brows. And he would, uh, and because he was a model, he would get them cleaned up and trimmed and all that, you know, but, uh, which very much helped me. But, you know, it just, the application was, had to be tight. And then he got ears and then paint, obviously, and then, then lace brows, you know. Um, but uh, I took a lot of pride in, in that makeup because it's, it's the easiest makeups are those. Are the, the easiest makeups are the hardest. That look like they're easy. Um, that looks like, oh, it's just brow covers. No, nah, I mean, it really isn't. A nose, you know, uh, putting a nose on, believably, is, you know, is you know, is, is not easy, you know, and, and, and then painting it and, you know, so. Oh yeah. I just, like I said, I did a, I've, I've done a wolf makeup and just doing, you know, putting a nose on to make a, just a, a, you know, just a raise of the, the more, you know, unnatural look. And sure. it took more, I think two and a half hours just to make it look like it blended in. Like it was not just, even though it's just the nose, if it's not done correctly, you can tell, okay, that's not your nose. That's a prosthetic sure. piece. So just like you said, something simple as a nose piece on like, I always go back to the the ridges on the Bajorans. Like, even though that's just the simple ridge, it looks good and it gives a definition, even though it's just a simple nose piece. Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so it was a great experience. I mean, you know, I'm very grateful because we got an Emmy last year for for it, and then last year was kind of a bonus year because I got two Guild Awards for Bombshell, um, and uh, I I was on John Lithgow's makeup team. So Kazu Hero, to say Kazu, but known by most of us is you know two-time Academy Award-winning, uh, you know BAFTA-winning, you know, and he's probably got a slew of other awards. Um, he designed the makeups for Bombshell for um, uh, for uh, Charlize, Nicole Kidman, and John Lithgow. And then Vivian Baker, who's department head, she designed three other makeups on Richard Kind. Um, uh, uh, what's his name? Um, oh, Clockwork Orange, lead guy. Oh, Malcolm Dow, yeah. Malcolm exactly. He played Rupert Murdoch, <laughs> and uh, Richard Kind played uh, uh, Giuliani, and then we had, um, I forget his name, but we had a Geraldo Rivera character. So, I mean, you know, I mean, and I did, I actually did a, a, a job for Kazu this summer on Sean Penn, which we were very happy, he was very happy with, and um, it's a great opportunity, um, and Sean is pretty unrecognizable. Um, it's for a show called Gaslit. Me and Kazu designed the makeup, and me and Mike Ornelas um, did the applications. Now, with that, uh, I know we, a lot of times 
sometimes you said he liked the makeup and all. I know sometimes that some actors they they don't realize what they're getting into, and you'll put a full makeup on. Like I've had somebody like, okay, I can't do this; it's too much. Have you had like someone you know? You don't have to name names, or have you had someone or or freak stories where you put this on? It wasn't a bad makeup; it just they weren't used to having all the prosthetics on. Was there any like issues ever had like with a freak out of after you show them the final product? I mean, like I mean, a good example is that Sean wanted to take a break from the show, so he he left the show for a while, and then Mike and I weren't available by the time he wanted to come back. So a couple other makeup artists came in and did the makeup. I think I think there's a point where they just need they they need some time to just kind of. Um, I know on on Bright, um, Chris Nelson did. Uh, um, uh, Joel Edgerton's makeup, and you know that was a lot, you know, and 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 you know it it it, it takes its toll, you know, when you're covered like that, you know, every day, day in and day out, and, and the artist tries to make it as, as seamless and as quick as possible, you know, and I mean Chris was great, and you know you take take good care, and you know, but but at a certain point you just maybe just take a break or something, I don't you know. But uh, other freakouts, not. I mean, I mean, I can't really think of. There's a few like aliens on the on the J.J. Abrams Star Trek that they didn't deal too well with it, but whatever. <laughs> and I know, I guess, being a, a person like who does makeup myself, like and doing it all myself, like when I do it for somebody, I guess you've. I don't know if you've had this experience, but I can go. Okay, the makeup I'm about to put on you, I've done it all myself, like. Give it an hour, you're not going to feel it anymore. And for the first hour, you're going to be like, there's so much shit on my face, I can't breathe. But give it an hour, and you'll be fine, and it'll feel like nothing's there. And so I've, I can give that experience to them, like, yeah. okay, just so you know beforehand. <laughs> and we always ask, we always, I think we always ask, you know, have you ever worn anything? I mean, um, I know Sean hadn't worn anything this significant, you know. And he was great in the chair, you know. I mean, he definitely let us do what he needed, what we needed, and um, um, and it's a cool makeup. Oh yeah, because I I know a lot of times not everybody's like Doug Jones and is okay with being in a makeup chair for ten plus hours for a character. Right. <laughs> yeah, but in general, I haven't had much problems with you know. I mean, I was doing. I'll, I'll never forget. A, there was one time I was doing some makeup. I was doing um, the killer inside me. Jessica Alba, face all beaten up, very brutal, very hard to watch filming. So I didn't. I actually stepped out. <laughs> um, and uh, and I was also doing a prosthetic foot on someone I won't name. And uh, <laughs> that that actor complained so much about his foot, um, the foot prosthetic. I told him. I was like, "Wow, man, it really itches that much." Because I'm doing this, I'm doing this face prosthetic on 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 Jessica Alba. Man, she doesn't have a problem at all. <laughs> he changed his tune very quickly. <laughs> oh yeah, I, John Davy, the guy I was talking about, who's the creature actor. Like he says, he's told older actors who are like, you know, because they do a lot of historical stuff, and sometimes they'll be in like big Victorian outfits. And he was like. I hear the complaining, and he's like, I've been in a Cyberman suit that's basically straight up, you know, fiberglass and rubber for eight hours sweating out the back. He's like, so uh, if you want to switch places, I'll switch places with you. 
Now, uh, that was one thing I wanted to ask actors. Have you ever got to work with Doug Jones at all? Or You know, it's funny. I was, I was actually talking about that with my wife the other day. I have only met Doug in passing. I have never worked with him. I've never put a makeup on him. Um, I've, I've ob obviously, you know, his everything you hear is true. He's very charming and he's a good dude. And, you know, but I don't, I have never, never, never glued a thing on him. Oh, yeah. I've seen, there's, a, I think there's a documentary coming about him. And it's just, it's, it's the same with Stan Lee. Like, it's the one of those people like, you can't, they can't be real. Somebody can't be like that. And you're like, wow. They're actually no. really that great of a person. <laughs> um, and I, you know what? Um, I don't know them. I don't know him that well, but I mean, he's he's a Christian. He's Christian, and I think that that has a lot to do with it. You know, I mean, I yeah. think he, uh, you know, he has that in his life. You know, say I think, but I think that that makes him a very happy person. You know, and and he's oh yeah for himself. You know, I mean, I mean, I'm not a Christian, but you know, I mean, I but I think that. I can see where that would give him a lot of like, you know, peace of mind and, you know, he's grateful for what he has and, you know. Oh, yeah. I think he said in interviews before that he's like, yeah, I know I have a weird body and I've kind of used my weird body to make money. So he's like, I'm happy to do whatever anybody wants to hire me for. <laughs> there you go. And he's probably like, I think he was saying uh, he was enjoyed like when he got his first voice credit for uh, I think it cut out for a second there. His first voice credit on Hellboy because it's it was originally I forget the actor's name but he was David, in Frasier. Frasier, yeah, David Allen, uh, yeah. And so he was like, I was so happy when they finally when they were like, oh, you that you did so great in that makeup and like we can't get him back but like if you want to do your voice and he was like, wow, I'm actually gonna get to okay, cool, you're gonna let me awesome. He was so excited that not only would he be in the suit but he'd actually get to do the lines which. Uh, he was fanboying himself. I know there's a new project that you're working on that with Foo Fighters and Dave Grohl. How was uh, that experience with uh, the studio? I think six, what it's called? Six six. Yeah, I just I kind of they played a little bit. Tony Gardner shop made all the stuff. Yeah, it looks cool. I mean, can't say much about it, but I think uh, I'll get the safe answer. I think everybody will be it'll be everything everybody wants out of um, what they see in the in the trailer. I will say the Foo Fighters were very charming. Guys were really cool, very charming. I had a little bit of interaction with, with Dave, but that's about it. Yeah, I mean, we did some fun makeups on it. It was cool. Yeah, I saw that, and I was like, I got to ask him about Dave Grohl, because I've he's a, I, I love that guy, hence the Nirvana shirt. <laughs> uh, I think he had a, a hand in it, maybe two. Yes, yes. <laughs> oh, yeah, I always tell people, I'm like, if you like Nirvana, like, listen to Foo Fighters. I'm like, it's basically, he's even said it. He's like, I created, helped create Nirvana. Kurt just did the lyrics. So he's like, and people are like, Nirvana and Foo Fighters sound alike. And he was like, yeah, uh, because they're both my bands. <laughs> yep. And so he's, he seems, uh, he's got his, I know he's got a lot of his hands and a lot of stuff. Like I recommend his most recent documentary about like, you know, the impact of the moms of, you know, singers and stuff. I think it's called Cradle to, I think it's called Cradle to Stage that he did with his mom, which was a novel beforehand. And, and I, that was a good documentary if, if you're into that kind of stuff. Cool. I'll look it up. Now, uh, I want to ask you as well, I know you can't talk a lot about it because the season isn't out yet, which I'm a big fan of the show. 
Uh, what was the how was it differently working on you know Star Trek Picard compared to working on the Orville with uh, Seth MacFarlane? Well, I mean, Orville is just Orville is just a different. Sh- yeah, I mean, it is kind of a I mean, it is kind of a Star Trek spinoff. I mean, really, we weren't we weren't there. I wasn't there for a long, long time. I was only there for four months, and that's that's a bit of time. Um, and it kind of felt like it kind of felt like we were doing a Star Trek thing. You know, they probably wouldn't like me saying that, but. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's different, you know. It's there's a comedy hook there, and you know, and um, um, I actually have never seen the show, so I don't know. But um, but I've, I've heard that it's more on a comedic end of um, than uh, than Picard. Oh yeah, serious. it's definitely uh, it's definitely like you can tell it was a a love letter of comedy meets uh next generation so it's very definitely like the more humor that you kind of saw that roddenberry had next gen kind of taken a little bit up the season if you want to watch it, the first season is more jokey because i i guess he tried to get you know his family guy fans sort of the second season is definitely very much star trek love letter because a lot of people i i don't know if you know seth is a very star trek fan like he's been in He's he made a film years ago, and then he's been in a, I think Enterprise like two episodes. So it was right. basically definitely you can tell it's his love letter to the franchise. Right. Um. What well, like, like you said, taking your personal stuff and putting in you know can, his comedy. We did some fun <laughs> makeups. You know, I had a I had a I had a very creative time. Glenn Glenn Griffin was the department head. I was the second. Key Jason Collins's shop and Vincent Van Dyke's shop both built a lot of the stuff. Um, I, I had I had fun doing a lot of the makeups, you know. I mean, and then Kazu actually called, so I actually left, you know. So <laughs> always leave if Kazu calls. So, so how was it for you doing like compared like doing something like that, something like that compared to like a show like nine one one for the more, you know, realistic stuff like injuries and you know, what is well, has the difference between that for makeup wise? So in in the hierarchy within my mind, character and age I think that it separates um it separates who's really got chopped and who doesn't. You know, slapping some blood on, pretty easy. You know, um, but I'm not saying it's easy. I'm just saying that there's a lot more wiggle room. Like when you're blending off that edge on a realistic age makeup, a character makeup, or some, you that you can't you can't mess up. There's no slop. You have it has to be perfect, and the paint has to be perfect. It has to be done just right. And so I think that there's a lot more pressure with, you know, with realistic makeups as opposed to, you know, if it's a zombie or, you know, like we're going to do some, I'm going to do some zombies this weekend for Jason and uh, in Vegas. And uh, I can't wait, man. <laughs> it just could be whatever. It, you know, if you got a bad edge there, you just put a few, few pretty veinings and dots and whatever. You know, I mean, it's it's like it's it's a, they're much more forgiving makeups in injury makeups. Yes, those those are um, I pride myself on doing like I've been doing some stuff on um, uh, Westworld, some of its kind of injury stuff. You know, it's important that the application of the makeup looks really 
clean and fleshed out before you put blood on it. No edges, none of that. So if the makeup is, uh, there are a few little things that are off, you know, you try and fix them and you know that this might be hidden, but you still try to smooth everything out and make sure it looks good and all of that. You know, but I mean, it's like here, a perfect example is I did, I work with the makeup designers in Sweden sometimes. And um, we did three or four like pretty full on page makeups or character makeups. We had flat mold, uh, silicone flat mold transfers. So if you, if it's off just a very little, you'll have to take that piece off and start over. You know, so I mean, those are, and, and everybody knows what real people look like. You look at them the back of their heads, you look at them at a grocery store on the street every day. If you can, if you can put a makeup on, make it look like skin and unnoticeable. I did a person's makeup a couple months ago, kind of a disguised makeup. He literally sat there and spoke to people and signed autographs for four hours and nobody knew that he was wearing anything. Therein lies plus plus small hair pieces. So therein lies the magic of it. And that's where I think it gets that subtlety of color, matching skin tone, matching skin, you know, tonal variations, reds, olives, browns, purpley mauves, all of that. I mean, I think that that's where you get, that's what I think is the hardest. Some people don't like doing that, I do. Oh yeah, it's and I could definitely tell from the the John Lithgow one going back to that like it looks the way you did that it lo looks like if John Lithgow if somebody was watching that going wow he really gained a lot of weight for this role like it was that good and you're like I've done my job and people go wow he must have lost that weight really fast because it looks so good yeah and I think that that you know obviously that's all it's it's all. Uh, huge part of it is because Kazu takes so much care and time sculpting it.
know, Kazu laid that makeup down. Kazu traditionally, like, will, you know, lay the makeup down, um, do the color passes, and then hand it off. And that's that was my first time working with him. And it was a great experience. And even even this last experience, I and I told him so. told him so much. I become a better artist every time I work with you. Because it's that subtle commitment. I mean, when we, you know, before John or before other stuff that I've done with them, you know, me and the other makeup artists were kind of sitting there and we're just kind of like in our zone. We're kind of we're kind of zen, you know, because we know we know what we're about to start. You know, we know that we're about to start something really cool, you know, but it needs that kind of like, you know, it's like that fox looking through the through the hedges, you know. That's the way I used to be when I went on stage. When I'm when I'm jumping around, wait, warming up and getting ready to go on stage, you're in this mode. You're ready to you're ready to go because then it's like, okay, get in it. Some things may not go right. You just okay, it's mathematics. And that's another with that too that I wanted to ask as well. Like, what was your experience? Because I know a lot of times he uses the silicone. What was your experience between using like silicone versus foam latex on an appliance prosthetic? Um, I mean, I I love foam. An alien should never be anything other than foam. A great paint job and some, you know, and some sheens and some, you know, some ultra wet on it. I mean, you got it. It doesn't have to be. Uh, it doesn't have to be silicone. Um, they are great, but they're heavier, you know. Um, I think, obviously, character makeups and aging makeups, silicone is the best way to go because it just, you can color it intrinsically. You can do more washes, you know. It's a different it's a different painting technique other than um, it just gets you that far farther ahead, whereas, like, um, foam, you know, you've got to do your packs and then some packs washes. You know, and then you start getting into your airbrushing and stuff like that. I like them both. I like them, but if I would, but I would definitely rather do a silicone like age or character makeup than a foam foam one. I just don't think that. I don't think that the. Um, I think that the material works well in certain kinds of lighting. Like Gamadeus looks amazing to this day. And obviously the artistry is amazing because it's Dick Smith and he, he's an amazing painter. I think that the amber lighting, you know, that candlelit lighting and all of that definitely yes. helps. You have, you have cast shadows, you have mood lighting, you have warmth, china ball lighting from, you know, from down below, you know, all of this stuff because foam latex makeups, if they're gonna be age makeups, you really gotta get someone in there who knows what they're lighting. They have to know lighting like nobody's oh, yeah. business. Silicone, you can get away with a little bit more. But like on Bombshell, uh, I think his name was Barry, I forgot. DP, dude knows lighting. Man, he knows lighting like nobody's business. And that's the thing. You put a flag here, a little like a little kick off of this side, little, you know, so you get a little corona of light on the top, you know, this dial back, you know. And they got all their little dials, so they're dialing stuff up and dialing it down, and blah, 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 you know. So your DP and your lighting really need to know what they're doing. I know I know a lot about lighting, but, um, like, I know it looks good. And then I'm like, I don't look good. That doesn't feel real. That feels weird. Like, at this point, it's kind of like, I get it kind of like, that feels weird. So it's better to just, like, eh. Yeah. Yes. 
And then from another thing from, you know, people starting out, like, what is your take on like, you know, or tips for like doing, you know, traditional like makeup palettes and stuff compared to, you know, using airbrush? What is some stuff you can give to people starting out, like using the traditional regular makeup compared to airbrush? I think, I think you definitely, you know, I mean, knowing knowing how to paint with, with brushes and stuff, because it's interesting. I mean, the makeup designers who I was talking about, that, that film that I was talking about with all the age makeup, it's called Amundsen. And it was basically a story about Ro Roald Amundsen, who is a Norwegian Arctic explorer. So they did the lead guy and then me and Sarita Allison, uh, Sarita, yeah, Sarita did uh, the other characters together. Um, they don't really use an airbrush for any of their, they use like flicking, you know, like the flick chip brush, but they use the the kind of like the toothbrush with the black bristles. They'll, they flick like this, as opposed to our like, you know, um, <coughs> tan haired chip brushes that we kind of go like that or da, 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 da. They, they kind of go like this. And- Oh, cool. And then they will go in with some fart creams or some cream makeups and kind of tickle it around and stuff, but they don't use a lot of airbrush. But, you know, most of the, most of the, I kind of flip flop. Like I'll like on Star Trek, I didn't use, I used some, but I used a lot of the flicking techniques as well. You know, with the with the chip brushes and stuff like that. Because I think there's a point where an airbrush could get a little too heavy. But I think, you know, having I don't really use a lot of rubber mask grease paint. I know that's an old school thing, but I don't really use a lot of it. I'm mostly illustrators, some creams. Um, so I use mostly alcohol-based paints or cream creams. The only advice I can say is, is that, you know, is that, you know, less is more. The less you put on, the less, and, and really, if you're doing a burn makeup or you're doing an injury makeup, get good reference. There's, get good medical books that show what, what it should look like because then you can match the real color. You know, I mean, a lot of, a lot of times people do burn makeups and they'll put blood on it. And I'm like, well, it's a burn makeup. Burn, burns don't bleed. Burned skin has been cauterized like a steak. You see a steak bleeding, you know? I mean, unless, you know, like it'll, it, you know, burnt, you know, or chicken, you know? It's like chicken skin, it's, it gets burnt, you know? It gets charred. Oh, so yeah. the only thing that a burn will do is weep because it, it weeps lymphatic fluid because it, that, that, that under derma layer has, is, is in trauma now, so. You know, so you have to debreed that skin, you know, debreeding means taking the burn skinned off, you know, and then they would use, they would use different, um, I think it's called silvadine or something like that. And then they, they'll, they'll put like, uh, you know, gauze on it or something, or, or the, if it's really, really bad, they'll use stabilization, um, gels or stabilization masks or vacuum forms, you know, in burn recovery. Um, but this is all the kind of things that you need to know, because if you're going to work on a CSI, I mean, they have medical people, but you can't roll out with like a, 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 a bright red, you know, and red burn, you know, I mean, because, well, part of it would be red, but what's been burned is not bloody, you know, it's, it's, it's the, it's yeah. that, it's that milky, yellowy, um, dotted, you know, little dots of like purple and stuff, traumatized under layer of skin. So, oh, yeah. When I did that makeup I was talking to you about, I did different. They're like, why are you doing these different colors? I'm like, your burn, I'm doing three different degrees. I'm doing 
the redness is for the first degree. You're yep. doing the the deeper one for the purple stuff for your capillaries are burned and busted. So I'm doing that second layer of colors for that. And your third is your lacerations from the accident and that on top of that. That all makes sense. So, you know, it's like if there was a laceration, sure, there could be blood, you know. So, I mean, yeah. you know, as long as, as long as there's an actual puncture or a cut, you know, but I, I guess the, I guess the advice is is that you know you definitely should know how to use a pache H. You should definitely know how to use Iwata. You know, double action. I mean, a lot of people are using this this trigger gun. I use a pache H, and I kind of spatter this way for like you know more like um, uh, pointillism kind of thing. Um, um, if I want a lighter approach to that, I use a little toothbrush flick. Um, uh, I love um, the Brits. Uh, my friend Duncan Jarman was very kind and gifted me a um, a lot of these uh, Chinese calligraphy. Jap I think it's Japanese. They hold a lot of nice color. You can get a nice fine tip, and then it, it ha has a lot of color in it. So I think you know different brushes, different creams, um, different alcohols, airbrush liquids. Um, you know, you just gotta you gotta get in there and play around with them and work things out. I think those are the best ways to get good at that. I would definitely say things should be very washy. The difference between someone who's like new is they put on a lot more than they think that they need. Very less is more. You can always put a little bit more on, but less is more. If you have a good application, you know, the a little bit of color will sell it. Oh, yeah. What are your thoughts on like, because I've been starting to play around with this as well as the, you know, the um, mixed with, you know, either tissue or, you know, using the flower method for, you know, aging skin. Uh, what is your thoughts on, you know, those methods and, you know, starting out as an amateur? I mean, sure. I, it, it, I would say if you're going to do like a cotton or a, a, tissue and latex aging it's okay i mean i wouldn't say it's great but if if, if i would say if you're gonna if you're gonna use number one i would use if this is on a caucasian person i think well there's a few things different races age differently so you know you can't do a sculpture of an asian person aging like a caucasian person or a black person or indian you know, uh, they all have very specific ways of looking old because it's their their nationality. Um, yeah. If you're going to do something, if it's someone starting out, I would say if you're going to do tissue, I would say that you could basically tear your tissue. If you're going to do an eye bag, I would tear your tissue that's just inside that eye bag that you're you're using. And then I would do a little bit of your, you know, um, I think you can use age. I would use age or stipple because latex has ammonia in it and that'll irritate the heck out of your eye, you know, particularly around the eyes. So I think, you know, Matthew Mungo has, you know, ABC and ABC and D, I think, age or stipple. It's basically um, it's a it's a non ammonia age or stipple so you can definitely you know you could put down a little bit of that age or stipple and then basically with tweezers put that little piece in um, have them keep looking up do a few little bits of um 
latex over top. I mean, you're eventually going to have to cover that whole piece of issue. It should very much just be one ply. So, yeah, and I think, you know, I think when, you know, you can definitely use just good techniques, um, but ages, aging with just a stipple or latex uh, is really effective on the eyes upper eyes lower eyes and number one if you're if you're younger than 30 forget it if you're if you're <laughs> you ain't you ain't gonna get anything 35 maybe from 35 up you will get some kind of if you do a, a stretch and stipple on the lids or on here on men and women you'll get a little bit of something 40 and up it'll be great but 30 and below forget it that skin is too tight and it ain't gonna do a thing um and uh so the best thing to do is either you know get you know make little flat mold pieces that don't have to be i mean they're very small sculptures you know i mean they can just sell a little bit of crow's feet you know here a little bit of you know a little bit of weight here you know a little bit of here you know but when you do latex stipple here Okay, you get lines there. Okay, I've seen a lot of old people. I've never seen lines. <laughs> look, it just never looked <laughs> right. Because I'll be honest with you, when when you look at older women, a lot of them, a lot of them have this beautiful like, it's almost as as young as they were when they were twenty. This this apple that still hasn't moved, you know. But then when you get down in here, and then then here and there, then you start getting the wrinkling. But this is so non-textured. I think that I think there's an overuse of when you get old, you get textury, like some people do. Yeah. But I mean, if you look at I have a I have a my Dutch friends in Amsterdam gave me this book of old people. And I mean, some of them have incredibly smooth skin. They have wrinkles, but they have incredibly smooth skin. So the thing that I'm saying is, is that the, the latex will give you a texture change. But I don't know if that's necessarily always the route to go. Um, but it is a good practice to try and, you know, just do something. But I mean, I've seen a lot of school makeups like that, and, you know, they do half young and half old in it. Oh yeah. I mean, it is a good exercise. I will say that, you know, how far can you push paint that therein lies the boundary of it? Oh yeah. And then I've been going back and looking at how like Jack Pierce did the, the mummy and I've been kind of trying to do that method a little bit you know with the layering and i think I, I think it's i think you said to use flour a little bit or something that they use some like makeup powder on top of that to give it that more well sure i mean mummy if you're, <laughs> you're gonna go for that you know i mean if you're doing a mummy man i mean you just slather it with all that stuff but i'm i'm talking about oh, yeah. thing, like a kind of aging but I mean, the mummy is, I mean, obviously it's mummified, you know? So, I mean, I'm not sure what his formula was. I don't, I'm, I don't doubt it was flour or something to create kind of a paste and then it would, and then it would dry, you know, cause you'd have to dry that. And then it would, you know, the, the cracks would, you know, they, they, they would crack within the, you know. Yeah. I think that he did it like kind of like a plaster, like, like they did it a little bit and then they got him to move his face and then it would kind of would crack and then they do layers and do it again, layers, and kind of give that build on, and then did the wrap. 
And that's that thing, just seeing, you know, seeing that old school of, like you said, you know, starting out that DIY, like taking the initiative, okay, I have this character. How can I take, you know, everyday things and make this thing up? Right. You know, and that's all they had back then. They didn't have like what we have. We, we, we are incredibly fortunate to have what we can. The demands have gotten hugely and the stakes hugely higher, but you know, I'm sure that they would look down and go, "Wow, the the you know the game has really come a long way since then." You know, so. Oh yeah, I know. Just from you know doing it myself, like prosthetic pieces that are pre-made. You know, just somebody puts them out have gotten a lot cheaper than they did. You know, even ten years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm looking at a werewolf piece now, and ten years ago that would have been sixty dollars, and now it's it's a half. You know, brow piece with a nose and. I, I see somebody selling them for, you know, 15 bucks on Etsy. And I'm like, okay, I can, you know, I know it's a little rough, but I can fix that up for a decent piece with makeup skills, sure. you know? Sure. But yeah, like I said, it's, it's one of those things I'm, I'm glad, like you said, knowing the history of like where it started and kind of, you know, as an amateur, you know, getting those and, you know, using the old techniques until you can, you know, progress into what you guys use now. Like I have a, what is it? My tackle box with all my makeup palettes and, fake yeah. rubber <laughs> yeah i mean and, and that that's that's the beauty of it all because you just you 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 um it's important to know how they did things back then i have not really tried much in the the, the old like the old school um some of my favorite old makeups are the what is it the incredible mr lao with tony randall um yes uh, yes Tuttle and Tuttle. I think did all of those makeups, you know, and I mean, those are great because they were great subtle character makeups and all that, you know, so, um, but yeah, I, you know, I mean, knowing the history and knowing the, all of that is, is incredibly important. Um, and you know, where we came from and, uh, you know, I think I was talking about earlier before we were recording is just like, you know, you know, um, I even wanted to know what the difference between like rigid and flexible collodion was. Like, are we using something nowadays that is is akin to flexible collodion? I know it's an odd question. I mean, because we do have rigid collodion. Everybody, every makeup store still sells it. But you know, flexible collodion is what they used on you know Jack Pierce used on on Frankenstein. So I mean, um, but I think we were talking about that before we recorded. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, with that as well, like with the the old school makers, like the Phantom, like we were talking before, the Phantom that you did, uh, the I have the post for anybody listening. I have on the post the uh, the picture of the Phantom uh, from the original opera because I know a lot of people know the the remake. This is the one from the nineteen, I think, thirties or forties. Mm -hmm. And so, how was your take on taking that classic makeup and doing an interpretation of that? Because I know some of the things, like the lip pull that had in the original was I think like fishing wire or something that he had attached to his head. How was your take taking that classic and putting your spin on it? Well, there was a little, there's a little history of, so one of the first, I was dancing and one of the first prosthetic makeups I ever saw applied was for the Christine show of Phantom in San Francisco. I had a friend, Liz Spetnagel, who was doing that makeup and she applied it. When I did my version, because that's because it's a theatrical version, it's kind of much more like cartoony and it looks great from 30 feet away. Very broad, broad painting and 
Contouria. Um, but my 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 take was that I wanted to do an homage to the Cheney version. So the typical like upturned nose and the the kind of like you know all of this the 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 the, the cheeks and um, a little bit of the lip the hair but from this side over I wanted to do more of a clinical realistic version of a, a burn scar makeup and I wanted to do something where it lifted his teeth you know lifted his lip and you could see the denture that was kind of riding on outside of his mouth I did it on my friend Chris who's an actor he's a good guy you know and he put up with a lot of it because this is uncomfortable but we had a way of kind of releasing it I could take this this denture out and then kind of slip it in because it, it it gets it gets annoying after a while when you're doing that with your lip it just hurts after day after day after day after day but i think it was pretty successful i mean i got a lot of you know good feedback from it and i mean i i did it in the uk for a convention i did it for a convention here again it's just kind of my my personal take on it, you know, my, my personal Frankenstein, my personal witch hag, my personal, you know, aqua alien, I don't know, you know, it's just stuff that just, it's creative and fun for me because, and I get better at it, I get better at our craft, you know, it's practice. But yeah, I think that that was the whole, the whole vein of, of that, you know, everything, everything that you can do nowadays are kind of like hybrids, you know, it's like a little bit of this, a little bit of that, you can get inspired from little things. Oh, yeah, it's uh, like I was telling my my stepbrother, like I said, who's getting to drag now, I was like, I know it's a simple makeup, but if you're starting this out, and you're not, you know, makeup challenged, if you're not good at, you know, makeups, I showed him, you know, the Tim Curry's from Rocky Horror Picture Show from 75. And I was like, Tim did his original makeup because they couldn't figure out what he wanted. So Tim did himself. It's a basic drag makeup, but it's a start. So you can practice that and then, you know, do some of the ones that you've seen, you know, RuPaul and stuff like go from there. Right. Sure. Absolutely. And he was like, I didn't even think about that. And I was like, yeah, I was like, just, you know, that was like totally the same thing. I was like, that's what I did. I looked at the old school and, you know, mix. Huge difference in <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so a queen of the desert, obviously, as well. I mean, those are even a little bit more clunkier than than RuPaul, but they that they're they're the very broad brush of 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 the of the look. You know, it just really gets you know really gets into you know. I mean, do you wanna do you wanna how refined do you wanna be? Yeah. And then uh, another thing too, uh, how was it for you working on like a lot? Because I saw your Kevin James, and how was that working for uh, Happy Gilmore Productions with Adam Sandler? Happy Madison. Happy Madison, mix up movies. Oh, Adam's, <laughs> great. Adam's great. You know, uh, you know, um, Kevin's cool. I never, I only did uh, some tattoos on Adam. You know, Annie Paula, who's his personal makeup artist and who's hired me a couple times um, on. You know, Grown Ups, Grown Ups 2, they're cool, you know. I mean, and you know, Annie has probably one of the most stocked makeup trailers I've ever seen because Adam, you know, he's a Saturday Night Liver and he basically thinks out of the box. He's like, I want this. So she's got to have everything, you know. So they're fun, they're, you know, they're fun, fun movies, you know. Oh, yeah. And he, I've seen so many pictures where they're like, this guy's a millionaire. And he's dressed like he just works at the grocery store. 
if he's directing, um, I mean, Dennis Dugan would direct, but I mean, Adam would always have input, you know, and I mean, um, it, he would always just have his, his shorts, his basketball shorts on, his hat backwards, always. Sure. Awesome. awesome. It's good to hear. Good to hear. Like I said, I, I'm a big fan. I've been a fan of those movies since I, the movies came way before I was born or at the time I was born. So it's cool seeing, you know, that I just love those movies growing up and, you know, hearing those stories. Now, like some of your newer projects, uh, how much I, I saw like some of your credits, like the different titles, like what is the difference between just like a regular prosthetic artist compared to like a key makeup artist in the production sort of a uh, patriarch like what's the like difference makeup um like so if there's if there's prosthetic makeup artists that means that i did i'll only put my name like i, I mean i did zombie land but i only did like two or three days on it but i'm not going to put it on because i didn't do something significant i'll only put my name on the DB if i did see and it has some point of being there like i was a prosthetic makeup artist means i only did prosthetics or special effects makeup key makeup like on this is coming out it's called bullet train it's a brad pitt film um i was a key on it and so i make ups i did some beauty makeups do some um, men's grooming tattoos you know all of that stuff so that all of that basically um you're more like a, an assistant department head you know my job as a key i mean some sometimes they call them keys sometimes they call them assistant department heads in this situation i was a key you know my job is to make my boss look good and do the best that i can and you know um and try and you know uh break down scripts break down characters take characters you know um and uh see them through to the end you know and um and I think she was pretty happy. So, I mean, so that's kind of, I mean, it's just more, it's more if I'm like doing a beauty makeup or I'm just doing like corrective makeup or, you know, trimming beards or, you know, stuff like that. Cool, cool. You always wanted, because I know there's a lot of different stuff. I know like when me and Roy were talking about him working on Guards of the Galaxy, he's like, yes, I didn't get to do Drax himself. He said Legacy did all of the main cast. He's like, I did the, you know, me and a couple other guys, we did the, uh, they his stunt double who had the same makeup and so he's like i never got to you know be do dave's makeup legacy he's like we got to do all the same stuff but just on his stunt double and so i was like i thought that was cool dynamic <laughs> yeah you know i mean it you know it it's it's ostensibly basically the same makeup you know sometimes the stunty actually works harder than the really and the really gets the hero Make, gets the hero end shot whereas the stunty's doing the action you know and then it ends up on the hero you know although i don't, yeah. I don't remember, i've never been um i've never been on a on a any of the guardian stuff i mean all all the guys are over there now doing it um i i don't really care about those kind of, i've i've seen enough superhero movies to last me a, a lifetime i i I understand a lot of people like them. It's just, it's just not my cup of tea. I have, I just have never, I, I'm very rarely a fan of a lot of things. I don't really, I don't care that much about it. I know a lot of people do, you know, but I would rather have, I would rather have a fresh story than the same old story, same old story arc, same fight, switch out a different superhero. It's just like, it's just boring to me, you know, but. Oh yeah. I, you know, I mean, a lot of people don't get that way obviously they they keep making them because you know kind of it's the kind of the dumbing down you know give me a wes anderson movie any day of the week 
Oh yeah, give me a Jim Jarmusch. I think there's the Jim joke, Jar- the guy who created Back to the Future. It's like, it will never be be- never be rebooted as long as both of us are alive. <laughs> Great. You know, give me a, uh, you know, a Jim Jarmusch film. Give me a, you know, uh, you know, a Fellini film. Give me a Kubrick film. You know, give me a Scorsese film. You know, it's kind of like, give me some content. I'm yeah, like David just, Fincher I, is another one. Like those are great movies that are like take simple concepts and just makes these thrillers. You're like, whoa! Like I think like Seven is just like mind blowing yeah. to me. <laughs> yeah, you know. So I mean, I think that you know the um, I, I I've never been a franchise person. I don't I don't really I don't care about any of that stuff. You know, I, I it's it's so it's such it's so manicure too. The, the the end result is so manicured. Aspire to makeup wise, no, not at all. Give me an give me an age makeup. On you know what I, what I think is challenging. When we did Amundsen, it had zero budget. We did four and five and six beautiful age makeups in camera, no post, nothing, all in camera lighting. And we were making sure it looked tight. You know, that's, that's makeup oh, yeah. to me. That's what I want to do. I, I I don't need I don't need all the. I don't need I don't need a, a stadium soundstage with walls of green fabric and blue fabric. Exactly. I don't, I don't care. It's why I, I guess that's just I guess for me. It's, oh yeah, and I'm the same way. It's, it's why just, I love uh, what is it? Practical effects. I just love the you know. Give me practical. It might, it might not be, it might look a little cheesier than the CGI, but give me practical every day over CGI. It's like, I think the new Ghostbusters Afterlife, like when I saw the dog and I was like, that's practical. And I told my girlfriend, I was like, you can tell that's practical compared to the rest of that CGI. That's a practical dog puppet that somebody's in. And that's Arian. You know, Arian's great. You know, he's a great, great talent and great artist and all of his team did a wonderful job. It looks, I haven't seen it, but it looks beautiful. You know, it was, it's a great film. Like if you're a Ghostbuster fan, like there's one scene, I'll just say it made, made, made grown men cry. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. It's a sweet love letter to Harold Ramis. Yeah. I think, I think what's nice is that there's some, you know, that, that, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a, Nostalgia done right usually isn't done for nostalgia. It's just, it's done. There's a subtlety, you know, a sincerity that, you know, that this town mostly lacks. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, there's, there's none here. Um, But I think that there is sincerity in, in a lot of the art that is done here. But yeah, it looked great. It looked great. I didn't, I saw the trailer. It looked cool. So, I mean. Oh yeah, I, I saw it. And like I said, I'm a big. I've, uh, my my dad introduced me to the original, and I got into that. And it was just, uh, it was like I said, just being a fan of the franchise. Just it, I was because I didn't watch the 2016 version, not for any you know feminist, per, not of that. It was just like, okay. ah, this is not, this is not I'm the same me. thing. <laughs> yeah, it's just like this is the same thing, and I and so this was basically I I, I watched it and I was like, okay, this is. This is how you end. I know there's probably going to be more, but I'm like, if this is the last one, this is how you end a trilogy franchise. <laughs> right. 
Because it was like you said, the nostalgia was there, but it wasn't just like punched in the face. Here's this joke. Here's this reference. Here's this. Here's some fan service. Like there was that, but it was enough where it was like there was an original story with just enough sprinkled in there to give you those moments of joy if you know the original stuff. Like spoiler alert, there's the one joke. uh, it's if you're okay, there's the one joke. If, if it's okay, spoiling it, there's because me and my girlfriend were waiting for it because I was like, they better do it. When Gozer comes back and they're a kid, you're like, are they gonna say it? And it's the are you a god? And they're all standing there and it's like, are you a god? And they all look at Ray and he's just like, they're like, again, seriously? And he's like, yes, yes. And uh, when it's like, we're all gods, and I was like, okay, thank you that they did it that certain way i'm like please that they remembered the joke that he say yeah. yes next time ask if you're a god <laughs> yeah, exactly now with franchises getting into that how was uh i don't know how extensive you were on the project the the new the hellraiser movie from 2011 i think the revelations yeah i mean i think that that was just a that was just to get you know to keep it current and like i don't even know what actually began with it i mean i did gary tonicliffe you know he's he's been pretty much part and parcel with pinhead and hellraiser since the beginning and um, i think he's directed a lot of them and and he had part of it had me doing pinhead um it wasn't uh doug uh, bradley but and i felt bad for the guy the guy got so much hate mail and stuff who the hell do you think you are i'm just like "Ah," you know i I mean i get it uh, oh yeah you know (laughs) Turn the other ones on and don't watch it. I mean, that's it, you know. <laughs> but uh, he 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 went through it and it was fine. It was a fun makeup, you know. Um, I, I I that's all that I've done really with uh, um, <clears throat> with with that, you know. Um, with the Clive uh, Barker universe. <laughs> yeah, I, I you know I mean what I what I am actually happy about is that I feel like my resume reads very diverse. I've worked with, you know, I've worked, I mean, I did Batman, Superman, you know, I did, a, I did, I was the key and key prosthetics makeup artist on Batman versus Superman. So I did a DC, a DC superhero movie and I did, you know, people either love it or hate it. I really don't care, but I did that. I worked with David Lynch. I worked in Europe. I did this. I did that. You know, it's called a variety. It's like, and, and all of this stuff is different. So I don't, it, it's kind of like, I, I just, I don't need my whole resume to be a Marvel or Star Wars kind of oh, yeah. like, it's just that, okay, <laughs> seen it a million times, you know, there's no challenge, for me, there's no challenge in that. I don't really care about that. What oh, I yeah, care like a- different projects with different, different, um, uh, different directors, different ideas, you know, different looks, you know, so um, I, I'm, I'm very, I'm very grateful for the career that I've had uh, thus far. And I have, you know, I have indebted to um, Vincent Van Dyke, you know, Jason Collins, um, Matthew Mungle, V, you know, um, uh, John Blake, Richard Snell, uh, rest in peace a long time ago, but uh, Luva and Ava that are the makeup designers uh, in Sweden. I mean, I just did something with Norwegian uh, makeup artists. They shot in Atlanta. Actually, I was out there a couple months ago um, just for a, a t- 
TV show, a, a, a Norwegian TV show called Fables, you know, and it was great. Cool character makeups and age makeups. And, you know, but uh, th that's that's interesting to me, you know, because that, that then I'm not kind of like, oh, he's just a Marvel guy. Nope, I'm not. It in humans, it was terrible, but, <laughs> you know, I didn't, so it's, it's, it's been a good, I'm, I'm, you know, and I got, I got all the right people calling me for, you know, am I available, you know, I mean, so, you know, I've worked, a, I've worked a lot this last year with Mike Marino, who runs ProRen, they did um, Coming to America, and, you know, True Detectives, all those age makeups, and, Mike Marino and Mike Fontaine and, you know, Crystal Gerardo, they're, they're all um, amazing artists and I'm happy to have been joined to join them on. We did a lot of the the um, the weekend music videos. Oh, cool, um, cool, cool, cool. So, um, I mean, and they're mostly Mike, you know, I mean, I, I definitely help out, definitely I'm gluing stuff down, doing some painting. But I mean, you know, it's like the weekend's, you know, Halloween costume where he was, you know, Don Corleone, you know, I was helping Mike put it on and stuff and did a little painting, you know, but it's mostly Mike and it's his, it's, it's cool to see his transformation happen. It looks great, you know? Oh yeah. I'm thinking so, there was one I saw know, that he did. That was uh, the Nutty Professor as well. I think that's, he did. I helped him out last, that was last Halloween. Cause so that was amazing. Like just that subtleness of, I know his and Eddie's facial structure are totally different, and but you yeah. could not tell from the makeup the way you guys did it. It looked exactly the same as what was on Eddie in the movies. Yeah. So I mean, it, it, it's you know, I mean, it's been a lot of good people, and you know, I'm grateful for everything, and you know, I'm looking forward. I'm just we we just had a new baby, so I mean, it's I think it, it's been a good year. You know, I mean, you know, Bullet Train wrapped and worked with DiCaprio for a minute until his makeup artist came to take over um like i said sean with kazu you know i mean it was it was it's been a good year some you know some of the most notable actors this year but um now it's time to just kind of chill i need to spend time with our new daughter and you know my wife and our other daughter so you know and i will definitely say this i think it's important to have family because the industry is very crazy and i think having something that you know and what a family can be whatever you want it to be but i think that for me my my wife and our daughters really gives me some kind of um, it's grounding you know because no matter what kind of bad day you have you're always going to go home and that little girl will think you're her superhero and that is all that matters at the end of the day honestly this job that i can do that we can do is to raise these two young girls into productive women with strong minds, strong will, you know, good character. Because I, I, I mean, my mom was a surgical nurse for 30 years. She's a strong, tough woman. My wife is, is a strong, tough woman. And we'll, we'll raise two strong, tough, young, young, young girls that ain't going to take any guff off of anybody. Yes. <laughs> I think that those those things, particularly in a, you know, a very, very roller coaster industry. Cause you know, I mean, you can be the, the hottest thing one day and then you're not even knowing the next, you know, but it doesn't really matter when you don't, when you don't care. Oh, sure. Great. But then, oh, yeah. because that's what matters to me. Oh, Everybody yeah. knows I love the craft, but you know, but waking up and making my daughter oatmeal in the morning is something that I look forward to. <laughs> so that's, it's, that's it's kind of, the that's little things I, that count the most. Yeah. For me. Oh yeah, same here. That's like I had struggled that for a long time with just you know, 
because of anxiety and what people thought. And I'm like, I'm just going to be me. You know, I'm going to do that. You know, I'm just going to enjoy my life, you know, whether you like it or not, you know, it's, it's my joy. You know, I'm not going to let you spoil it because you, you knew it's your fault. <laughs> And then another note all as well, like just one bit of advice or advice you can give to, you know, somebody wanting to get into, you know, starting out, whether that's just, you know, amateur Halloween makeups or, you know, just want to get into just special effects makeup in general or just, you know, what would you give your advice? My advice would be is that if if you want to be a, a working makeup artist, I definitely think there's a few things. You should work every day you can on your special effects makeup. Work every day you can on beauty makeup. Because I guarantee you, there's always going to be beauty makeup. And if you, perfect example, if you know how to do beauty makeup, but you also know how to do the special effects, that's when you get to be assistant department head, or that's when you get to be a key. Because instead of hiring you for two weeks when the special effects are happening, it's like, oh, he can do men's grooming and women's beauty makeup and da, 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 and all that, that means you can you can actually be employed much longer. So conventions, anything, just get in there and do it. Um, if, if you go to your local mall, do beauty makeup at the makeup counter, you know, go to go to Lancome or go to, you know, one of the color lines and say, hey, uh, you know, show a little work. Are you hiring makeup artists? How can I do makeup here? You know, because the more that you, because I came from a beauty makeup background, so the thing is, is that when you know the, the pure form of highlight, shadow, contouring, the facial shape, all of that, all of that is basically special makeup effects, just kind of twisted and turned on its side and more smaller, you know, highlight, shadow, what are you trying to bring forward? What are you trying to sink back? What What is design-wise? I tell you what, I, I will say this, don't do 100 million makeups on yourself. Do it because if you want to apply makeup as a makeup artist, you ain't going to be on yourself. So start getting your friends over there, put it on your family, put it on your dad, your mom, brothers, sisters, anybody that'll sit for 20 minutes to an hour. You know, friends, family, just do do it that way. That's the best way to that's the best way to get into it, you know, and um, take good pictures, have a nice lighting, do a full makeup. If you're going to do a zombie, rip up a flannel shirt. Do their chest, you know, put some, you know, drainagey stuff coming down. Just, just, you know, and then put it in front of a barn door, you know, just put it someplace that it looks like it should be. Or in a, an old dead forest someplace where all the leaves, you know, like, you know, just, just so it's a, because, because people, when I look at resumes, I look at like, what's the complete picture? The biggest turnoff for me is someone has a bald cap application. I can see it's in school. I'm like, okay, so you did it in school. Have you done it again since? Did you do it at home? Did you do it, you know, did you do a bald cap application? Bald cap is the hardest makeup you can do. It has a feel reel. It has to be colored right. It has to be paxed out. It has to be fleshed out, you know. So I think that's the best thing that you can do is just keep practicing. Then someone's going to see, oh, it's just not a gore dude or gore girl. Because the more you do that, the more they're going to see, oh, this is a makeup artist. Because I think it's important. I used to, I, I lectured one time at my old makeup school and they're like, oh, we're doing a whole, just a prosthetic. Class. And I understand that that's what makes them money because that's what's been on face off. And that's what's, you know, visibly seen as cool. But, but it isn't that. It's actually about what is your versatility within the craft? If you can do the creatures, great. 
Can you do the subtle corrective makeup? Can you do a subtle corrective makeup on a woman? Can you do a beauty makeup? Can you put lashes on? Can you put individuals on? Can you um, lifts, you know, uh, cosmetic lifts, you know, I mean, so there's a whole, there's a whole slew of stuff out there, you know, and it's, and I'm not saying that they have to know it all right away, but I think the more that you look at having a variety of work shows your variety as an artist. And I think that you actually get finer, you get to be a finer painter because when it's little subtle things, you can't put that much paint on. Oh yeah. And that's like, like when a, I do my makeups for the Halloween every year, I'm like, if I've done one, I'm like, ah, I don't want to do that. I want to, okay, give me our, what's your idea? Okay. I'm going to take this or I'm going to do a different version. Let me try this. Or, you know, I, I'm like, let me do something different. Like for one Halloween, I think my sister and her kids did uh, the walking dead. And I was like, okay, let me, I'm gonna do everybody's makeup. And my niece was like, I don't want to be a zombie. And I was like, what do you want to be? And she's like, I'll be a fairy. I was like, I can do you as a fairy too. So I was like, I'll do your fairy makeup and I'll do a zombie on him do the subtle beard on this one. And so it was kind of a, a, a challenge. I kind of challenge myself every, because Halloween when I'm able to do it a lot, when it's everybody wants their makeup done for Halloween. And, you know, my family always knows that I do it. And they're like, hey, I have this party. Can you do it? And I'm like, yes, I can do your makeup. Okay. Sometimes I'll charge, sometimes I won't. Sometimes I'm like, I just want to do this. You have an idea. It might not be the picture you found on Pinterest or Google, let me challenge myself to do something I haven't done before to right. see what I can do. Yeah, absolutely. That's where you stretch. It's like the same with the burn victim this past year. Like I've done a zombie, you know, I've done, you know, I've done an alien before. And so he was like, I want to burn car wreck, you know, car wreck slash burn victim. I was like, I've never done that before. I was like, let me show me the picture that you thought that you liked. And I was like, yeah, that's that's I was like, that's more of a zombie thing. But let me show you, like, here's some burn victims that I thought that it's not going to be this, but it's going to be my version sure. of this. Yeah. And yeah. after they did it, they're like, this isn't exactly what I imagined, but you took what I what they told me. They're like, this isn't exactly what I imagined, but you took your vision and I'm more happy with what you did than I originally had thought. That's the way to do it, man. Keep them coming back for more. Oh, yeah. And so every year so far that they have a costume thing at their job and every year they like, hey, are we going to do our usual? And I was like, yeah, come over at this time. We'll do our usual makeup. <laughs> Thanks for coming on. I okay. highly enjoyed it. And I could tell all my guests, oh, you have something to promote. We'll bring you back on and talk about it. And Thank you. I appreciate that. All right, everyone. That's going to be another episode of the Phantom Squad podcast. Would you like to share our outro? Enjoy the madness. You are now leaving the Phantom Squad podcast. This episode and all episodes are brought to you and produced by Phantom Punk Productions and is a proud member of the Discussing Network. You can find all you need at discussingnetwork.com. And as always, enjoy the madness, everyone.